morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, LeBron didn't play very well. Anthony Davis at one point was getting stuffed in a locker by Kavon Looney. D'Angelo Russell didn't play in the second half after spraining his ankle on an inbounds pass. And the Lakers were up by 20 when all of their main guys sat. (laughs) Where are we? I don't know what to do with my hands. The Lakers beat the Golden State Warriors 121 or 124 to 111. Uh, this was not that close. Basically, the fourth quarter, like I said, when everybody went out, the Lakers were up by 20 points, and then you had, I think, like eight or nine minutes of extended garbage time. And I was kind of laughing uh, there watching uh, this one at, at, at home because this is, it was garbage time. This was when the, the end of the bench gets. Uh, thrown out there just to kind of eat a few innings at the end of the game and it was still a more logical lineup out there I think you had uh, Lonnie Walker you had Devon Reed you had Rui Hachimura you had Wenyan Gabriel and I think you had Mo Bamba was the lineup that the Lakers ended that game with that is a more sensible logical lineup than they were starting games with, <laughs> which is insane uh, that that one trade deadline allows for that kind of a thing to happen. Uh, but obviously, the, the the story in this one is that, you know, Anthony Davis only shoots five times on the night. He finishes the game with 12, 12 points, 12 boards, two blocks. Uh, you go and you look at LeBron, who, again, played pretty poorly, actually, uh, 13 points from him, nine boards, eight assists, five of 20 from the field, two of six from three point range. Uh, so LeBron and AD combined for 25 points and 21 rebounds, which is, you know, the rebounds is good, but 25 points combined between LeBron and AD. Again, D'Angelo Russell was only able to play nine minutes in this one because he sprained his ankle fairly early in the game. So, you're missing, you're playing, you know, your starters, uh, two of them have well below average games, uh, you know, compared to what they're normally capable of. The third one doesn't play in the second half. And the Lakers absolutely boat race the Golden State Warriors. Now, it needs to be pointed out, the Warriors have been terrible this year without Stephen Curry, and they've been terrible this year with uh on the road especially on the road their the record without Steph is is kind of or with and without Steph it's kind of weird but they look significantly worse and and you know those stretches I think they they had multiple stretches of almost five minutes where they weren't scoring uh, so the Lakers you know they take advantage and you know they take advantage of a team in the war even when Steph is there the Warriors have been terrible on the road. So this was one, as I said, in, uh, oh, oh, by the way, the Warriors also playing without Andrew Wiggins, and, and he makes a big difference. Uh, but, but yeah, I said on yesterday or whenever's lowdown that this was one that the Lakers not only should win, uh, but I would like to see them win comfortably. Cover, for example. Uh, I think the spread in this one, I, I bet my amounts of money, uh, and, and it was a plus six when I bet it. The Lakers, again, they win by uh, 13. 
and we're up by 20. And and honestly, like like I said, could have played better. Uh, they, they, you know, again, like I already talked about with LeBron and AD, but you look at their free throws, 24 of 34. That's not great. They did shoot the crap out of the ball, 16 of 30 from three-point range. A lot of that coming from Malik Beasley, who goes 7 of 11. When was the last time a Laker made seven three-pointers? When was the last time a Laker shot three or, or shot 11 three-pointers and you weren't saying, like, was that guy drunk? What was, why? They came within the flow of the game. There was a play that that actually the TNT guys kind of laughed at. Um, and I, th- I think they, you know, they make a good point here. But there was a pick and roll where LeBron was setting a screen for Malik Beasley. And Beasley gets doubled because they, he requires that much attention when he's shooting the way that he did. Now, the, the funny thing is that uh, Chuck actually criticized the Beasley trade because he says that Beasley likes to shoot too much. Why do you think Beasley gets all of that attention, Chuck? But regardless, uh, the the Beasley was great, and uh, while he was out there, I thought D'Angelo Russell was playing pretty good and, and, and in control. And most importantly, though, just collectively, I thought Austin Reeves had a great game, and and I thought Schroeder stepped up when he had to. More on, on Schroeder and Reeves here in a little bit. But I thought, really importantly... This was a real showcase of why margin for error really matters with depth and, and how you can create it is through depth. And, you know, the Rory, the Warriors, uh, they, they did close to within three points. Uh, by the time that halftime came along, they had all the momentum. The Lakers right away came out and, and, and put them in Alcatraz. And anytime the Warriors looked like they might combine a few buckets here and there together, uh, it was somebody knocking down a three, and a three especially is a real momentum killer, right? Because unless the other team comes down and hits a, a four-pointer, you know, an M1 on a three or something like that, chances are you just you just probably if it's a if it if the other team is on like a six zero seven zero run, you just cut that run in half, right? And and that is a a big factor there, and the Lakers were able to use utilize that three-pointer. Um, and and really kind of run away with the game by cutting off that momentum and, really importantly, building on their own momentum. So great game here and, and a really important one as this is now the second game in a row where both AD and LeBron are able to play fewer than 30 minutes and the Lakers win in blowout fashion. Now, in the second half, after D'Angelo Russell, it was announced that he wasn't going to be uh, coming back. Darvin Ham had to figure out how he was going to start the second half. And he went with Dennis Schroeder starting the second half with the remainder of the starters that the Lakers had available. And yeah, I get it. kind of saw it coming because I think Dennis is Darvin's Avery Bradley. um, And... (sighs) Again, I, I understand it. I disagree with it, though. Here's why. With that group, Malik Beasley creates on his own through gravity and by, by being able to to run around screens and stuff and, and take a couple sets out of LeBron James's hands and out of Anthony Davis's hands um, within the flow of a game. You have LeBron out there, and he is the most dynamic, creative presence the, the the league has ever really seen. And 
And so like it, I don't I still don't think you need a typical or prototypical uh you know primary creator next to LeBron, right? That's that's been the lesson of the last couple of years is stop trying to find that player. That player does not exist. Just have somebody out there who can bring the ball up the court occasionally, can kind of guard, you know, the other team's point guard, spaces the floor. You know, you don't, you can have a secondary creator. You could even have, you know, somebody who would normally be even a tertiary creator. Uh, the Lakers did that when they won a championship. They started Contavious Caldwell Pope in, in, in at point guard. And so in this case, I, I actually think moving forward, now it depends on how much time Russell is going to miss, according to Chris Haynes. And then the Lakers actually said this, Darvin Ham confirmed it after the game that x-rays on D'Angelo Russell's ankle were negative, which is a good thing, and uh, that they did not feel the need to run an MRI on Russell, um, and they don't feel that is a, uh, a a significant injury. So he is now considered day-to-day. The Lakers do have an extra day off before their next game uh, at, in Dallas. So maybe Russell is able to kind of, you know, get treatment around the clock and maybe be ready to go by Sunday. We'll see. I didn't think it was that bad of a tweak. You did see a lot of motion in that ankle, um, but but there wasn't a bunch of weight on it when he did it. It wasn't an athletic play that he was making. He was just inbounding the ball. He wasn't landing or landing on it or jumping off of it when he turned it. It was just kind of one of those tweaks, and I thought that the Lakers were being extra cautious, seeing as they felt confident they were going to be able to beat uh, the Warriors without Russell. So if Russell misses significant time, which I don't think he's going to, I think it makes more sense to start Austin Reeves or even Lonnie Walker um, with the with the starters and then continue to have Dennis Schroeder uh, running the bench unit. And that way you have the continuity on, on, on that aspect of your game. And then whenever Russell comes back, you can reinsert him. And he isn't playing that difficult a role with the starters. And he, he as we've already seen, um, should be able to pick things up right away. That starting group, now I don't think NBA.com has actually refreshed by the time I'm recording this, but that starting group of LeBron, AD, Russell, Beasley, and Vanderbilt so far through two games uh, an offensive rating of 128.9, a defensive rating of 102.6, a net rating of 26.4. That is elite stuff. Obviously, tiny sample size. I believe they've only played 18 minutes uh, together, and I don't think that is updated as of as of tonight. Uh, but again, tonight, they, they played well at the very beginning of it. They did open up a lead. So that is, I, I have thought for a while now, as soon as they made those trades, I thought that was always going to be their best lineup. And, and I think that is going to continue to be the case moving forward. That said, I don't think you lose that that much moving from Russell to Reeves. And then you get to continue to have uh, Dennis Schroeder running that second unit. I think that makes the most sense for continuity's sake. And also just in terms of fit, I, I still think Reeves' shooting ability makes him make more sense next to LeBron than Schroeder does. Uh, but I, let's just hope it doesn't come to that and that Russell is ready to go right away. Standings watch. Uh, the Lakers now sit at 28-32. and 32. The Oklahoma City Thunder lost last night, so uh, that was good news for them. The Portland Trailblazers also lost last night. 
That is also good news for the Lakers. So they pick up a, 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 a game in the loss column on both of those teams. They now sit at 14 losses on, or uh, sorry, they sit at 32 losses on the season. Portland sits at 31. Oklahoma sits at 30. Golden State, the Lakers, the team that the Lakers obviously just beat tonight, they now sit at 30 in the loss column. So the reason I keep saying the loss column is because those are games that you can't make up. It requires, with the, with the Lakers trying to come back on these teams, it requires these teams to do some losing. Fortunately for the Lakers, all three teams ahead of them lost tonight on a night when the Lakers won. And and look, I, I've been hesitant to kind of go this far because I wanted to see it in practice, but I feel pretty confident in it now, um, mostly because it's historically backed up. But LeBron, surrounded by shooting and depth in the regular season, and, and hell, we can even extend that into the playoffs. But LeBron, in that kind of an atmosphere, with that kind of roster makeup, is good for right around a 60% winning percentage, right? Um, if the Lakers have 22 games to go, you know, 22 uh, multiplied by 0.6, right? That gets you to about 13 wins over the next 22 games. Now, I don't think that would be enough. I think they need, need they need to do more winning than that. And, and you know, that is why Vegas has them still, um, the odds for them are, still have them missing the playoffs. But, but yeah, I, I, I still think that, like, their baseline here should be right around a 60% win percentage so long as everybody stays relatively healthy. Uh, they need to do more, but LeBron in that kind of environment does get you results. And if the Lakers do win, you know, 60% of their games from here on out, 60% of, of, of you know, a team winning 60% of their games, that's the two seed in the Western Conference with the Memphis Grizzlies currently sitting at 35 and 23. Um, so like the, the rest of the teams that the Lakers are trying to, you know, leapfrog, if the Lakers do win 60% of their games, that's significantly better than, uh, the, the 475 that Portland is, is sitting at 483 for, for Oklahoma city, 492, 492, 500, 508. Those are the, those are the teams that are sitting above the Lakers right now in, in those 10 through seven spots. Hell, even the, the Dallas Mavericks are sitting with a winning percentage of only 525. So, like, obviously the Lakers would need to do more winning than 60% to get all the way up to the sixth seed. But the good news here, and I think this has been really important, um, a, a really important sentiment to come out of the Lakers since they made these trades and as they approach the second half of the season, is they aren't, like, in years past, you could kind of tell that the Lakers were just kind of saying, you know what, just get us into the play-in. And we'll fight our way up to the to the you know playoff spots, and then we'll see how it goes from there. No, right now uh, the sentiment around the Lakers is no, we are getting to that six spot, and you know it, higher if we can, and and that kind of ambition, setting those kinds of goals, and we'll see how determined the Lakers are in pursuit of those goals. Um, that, that right there is a pretty noticeable culture shift and, and something that isn't worth nothing. So you combine better roster. I think the the coaching staff has been doing a better job as they figure out how to use this roster. And then you combine that with kind of the culture and intangible stuff. 
And and yeah, I, I do think the Lakers are capable, if everybody remains healthy, of going on a run. So we'll see what this looks like. But these first couple you know, these last couple games, the Pelicans won, and then tonight or last night against the Golden State Warriors, two confident wins. Confident, competent wins that didn't require LeBron and AD to go absolutely ballistic to just like remain competitive. Uh, that is that is a huge shift from what we used to see under the previous roster makeup, and and it does give me some confidence in these guys moving forward. I may or may not have placed a bet on the Lakers to make the playoffs. Wait, who what who said that? Come on, stay professional. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown podcast. Um, I, I'm going to try to do a longer kind of conversation piece a little bit later today by the time you guys are listening to this. it The, the schedule is kind of really busy right now as I line things up to hopefully have control of the pod feed by the time we get to March so that we can do regular interviews um, and, and get back to your normally scheduled stuff that you guys enjoyed before. Um, so if I can sneak something in like that between all the meetings that we have, um, I will. Um, but if not, and if this is the last time you guys are hearing from me until uh, the, the Lakers play Dallas on Sunday, I am Anthony Irwin saying have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs>